0: It's a great uh, privilege to be here again uh, for some of you. I know I saw you last year, and um, I'm excited to be here again. And as Pastor said, to those of you that don't know me, my name is Um uh, My last name is also Ulimide. Uh If you want to know how that came to be, uh, you can ask me after. And boy, you have to pay to get to that information. Yeah, I serve as an elder at uh, Redeemer Baptist Church in Rincon, Georgia, United States. And um, I also serve as the president of Lux in Tenebris, a ministry that is um, devoted to supporting the work here in Nigeria. And um, I'm married. I'm married to my wife. She has two names. And I'll tell you why she has two names. Uh, my wife is Urubo And my mom is Yoruba. So some people know her as Ovigwe. And some people know her as Modupe. And to my Urubo people, uh, Migwa. <laughs> so, and I have two kids. Um, I have a daughter and, and a son. Uh, I just want to ask that you uh, pray for us. Um, pray for my family back home right now. Uh, my wife has to deal with school and uh, also has to deal with two troublesome people. <laughs> so, please pray for them back home. Pray for my church, Redeemer Baptist Church. The Lord has been so grateful to us this year also. We've seen more people added to our church, and um, we we thank God for that uh, that grace and that goodness. And so, more people added to the church means more work for the elders also. So, please pray for us as well. As we do that and pray for the ministry locks and tenebrates as we begin to do more work towards uh, Nigeria and uh, that the Lord will strengthen that work. So those are my own prayer points. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Would you turn your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms. We will examine uh, the first chapter this morning and, Lord willing, uh, the second chapter this evening. Uh, The title of the sermon is uh, The Psalms, the Psalms, the Praise to the King of Creation. Psalms, Praise to the King of Creation. Now, the Psalm is a very interesting book. It's a book that a lot of believers uh, uh, struggle with today, especially in applying it to our present day and situation. For example, how do you apply the popular impeccatory psalms where in in the light of Jesus saying in Matthew 5 that you should love your enemies and so people struggle with how do I pray that psalm where David was praying uh, against his enemies. And um, by the way, for those of us who don't know what impeccatory psalms are, they are the psalms in which David was asking God to uh, punish the wicked. Another challenge is that The Psalms has 150 chapters, and how do you read that each of this book in light of the whole book itself? How do you make this connection? And one other thing is, is to us who are Nigerians, I don't know about you, growing up, I didn't grow up in a poetic family. I didn't grow up in a family or around a place where we're poetic. The Psalm is a poetic book, and for a culture that is not poetic, it's difficult to read the Psalms. And let's be sincere with ourselves it is difficult i didn't grow up in around a poetic culture so uh reading the psalms will be difficult because it the literary genre of the book is poetic so these challenges make some christians today to choose to read the, tar- the psalms sometimes or read what is appealing to them That's why you have denominations that use the Psalms for different things. They have abused it and so much that they use it for uh, special prayers and for deliverance because they do not understand it. However, it is beyond that. And my desire today is that the Lord our God will help us and stir up our hearts to love the Psalms as we love the scriptures. That we will revive and in our hearts the desire to study and meditate on the Psalms day and night. Let us pray. O Lord, how great you are, Lord. From everlasting to everlasting, you are the same. You are the one and only God who rules and reigns over all. The one from whom all blessings flow. May your name be blessed and praised in our gathering today. We pray, Lord, that you, who bless the preaching of the word in the hearts of your people, may the saints be encouraged and strengthened, may sinners tremble and be humbled by the glorious gospel of Christ. And may we all behold the beauty and the glory of the King of Kings from this text this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The psalm is about God's redemption. Written by God's covenant people to celebrate the Lord our God. As we see shortly, the book of Psalms ha- points us back to Eden where God rules over the affairs of his people. And also, he helps us to see that reason, Christ. So this morning we'll look at Psalm 1. If you're there, let's read. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in, in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. First, I would like to give us an overview of the book of Psalms. And uh, second, then we'll look at the Psalms, uh, look at this text this morning in the next 40 minutes. And, um, first, I want to implore you to please again come back this evening, like Pastor said. And look at the concluding part so what is the overview of psalms what's the book of psalms about the book of psalms or what is called the book of praise is a book of songs of praise to god by his people these songs are sung in public worship some of them are individual private worship uh, of people like david so this is a hymn book of god's covenant people so for us to better understand the book of psalms we must answer some questions number one who is being praised? The Lord our God. Number two, why is God praised? Because He's the one and only God, the Maker of heaven and earth. He's essentially good, and His steadfast love endures forever. By whom is God praised? He is praised by His covenant people, His congregation of saved and redeemed people. He's praised by individual members of that covenant community. And that's important for us to know that God is praised not only by his people as a congregation, as a community, but he's praised also individually by members of that covenant pe- community. Where is God praised? He's praised in the gathering of his people and in the quiet and private moments of his people. And how is God praised? This is very important because a lot of times people just come in gatherings and say, because God is your father, you can praise God anyhow. No, God has that how we should praise him. And we see in the book of Psalms, how is God praised? He's praised by speaking and singing his word back to him. He's not praised by any other word, but by speaking and singing his word back to him. Secondly, we see that the Psalms is divided into five books in the Hebrew text. Book 1 is from 1 to 41. For some of you, you have some a Bible that shows you how the Psalms is divided. Book 1 is from 1 to 41. Book 2 is from 42 to 47. Book 3 is from 73 to 89. And Book 4 is from uh, 90 to 106. And I think Book 5 is from 107 to 150. So what kind of book is psalms we see different things in the book of Psalms as i laid the foundation for us today so that we can begin to understand what the book of Psalms is all about is that one we see hymns of praise calling people calling god's people to admire his character to admire the essence of god to praise his great works like psalm 145 i will extol you my god and my king and bless your name forever and ever Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. That's a hymn of praise to God. Praising God for his essence, for who he is. Another psalm we see is a psalm of lament, where you're laying a troubled situation before the Lord. Like David said in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? By the way, David is asking the question. It's not that God has forgotten him. So that's he said, how long? He's one asking the question. He's asking a question out of the troubled soul. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? And David is trying to let us see that there's nothing wrong in lamenting before God. We see that in the book of Psalms. We see Psalms, we see in Psalms also hymns of thanksgiving, thanking God for answers to prayers. The children of Israel sang together Psalm 30, when they say, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. That's a Psalm of thanksgiving to God. We also see Psalms celebrating God's law, like Psalm 119, that we all know a lot, which speak of the wonders of God's word and how it helps us to aspire to obey it fully. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. These are songs about God's law. It says, firmly fixed in the heavens. He went on to say that your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands first. By your appointment, they stand this day. For all things are your servants. We see songs of confidence in the book of Psalm. Like Psalm 23. That enables us to deepen our trust in God through all manner of difficult circumstances, while at the same time acknowledging the realities that such difficulties are inevitable. Psalm 23 is not that David does not acknowledge the realities of his difficulties. No, he acknowledges it, but at the same time is saying that my trust is in the Lord. So that's why he can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, David is not saying that out of faith so that his, the pot of soup will automatically become full with soup. And, and No, David is saying that because he knows that the Lord is a shepherd, even in the time of trouble. This was a song of confidence to the Lord. And we see historical Psalms also like Psalm 78. We see prophetic Psalms that echoes God's calling His covenant people to remember His covenant like Psalm 81. And we see wisdom Psalms like Psalm 1 that we're going to look at shortly. And finally, we see Psalms like we call the royal Psalms like Psalm 2. We'll look at this, we'll look at this afternoon or evening, whichever one we fall to so why did i go all of this why did i lay all this foundation what does this mean for us first as god's people we are called to worship the lord our god our only king who is the king of all creation so every aspect of the lord's day service is a worship offer to the lord so don't be mute when we're singing Every aspect of the Lord's Day service is an offering of worship to the Lord. The songs we sing, the prayer we pray, the word that's been taught and preached, the sacrament and the giving of our offerings should be the praise, should be to the praise of our God from whom all blessings flow. They should be intentional, they should be purposeful, not coerced, but a response of love. And this is what the Psalms teaches us. That our everyday worship, when we come together, it should be, all that we do should be intentional and purposeful. Our giving, our singing, our prayer, and the listening of the world to the world should be intentional and purposeful. Why? It should be out of response, out of love for our God. Secondly, this tells us that the Psalms reminds us of God's covenant faithfulness and unfailing love throughout all generations. We are to put out, put our our trust in Him, no matter our circumstances, situation, health status, trials you might be going through as individuals or collectively, collectively as a church. It reminds us that some who have gone ahead of us. We're here also in the same situation. And that even in that circumstances and situation, these people put their confidence and trust in God. Thirdly, the psalm teaches us what worship is and how we should worship God. And simply this, worship is not about you and I. It's about God. That God is the object of our worship. And that true worship is a response to to God. Now remember, I said true worship is a response to God. So that means that it wasn't you, that it was God that initiated that. He poured out his love to to us. And our worship is a response to that love. Lastly, on this overview of the book of Psalms, there's one constant thing in the book of Psalms that the writers keep drawing our attention to. It is a sense of corporate communion with God. An awareness that we are in God's presence. That when we gather, it's a time of fellowship with God and with one another. And that we should not take it lightly. That is very important. And that's one of the things that the book of Psalms draw our attention to. That it is a corporate gathering of God's people singing to God. Acknowledging that it is God that is in our midst. And that we shouldn't take this lightly. So Psalm 1. What is it all about? Psalm 1 can be divided into, by poetry, can be divided into three stanzas. Or you wonder, oh, what have I been doing since? No, I've been preaching after, but I'm laying the foundation. <laughs> and so bear with me, I'm struggling because I'm not used to holding my mic. <laughs> so, three stanzas we see in Psalm 1. And that three stanzas is going to be what we're going to base our points on. The first chapter of the book of Psalms considered as a wisdom psalm because it reflects on the themes that we see in the book of Proverbs. A cursory look at this chapter, you would think that the godly man or the way of the righteous is a focus here, because it's being contrasted with the wicked man. But that's not really the case here. And why you see that someone looks like what you've read in the book of Proverbs is because you see in the book of Proverbs there's a lot of, a lot of contrasting between godly wicked, godly, wicked, foolish, wise. And that's what you see here being done in the book of Psalms as well, the Psalm 1. The Psalmist is is contrasting these two people. It is showing us the godly and the wicked, but it's helping us to see a bigger picture here. And the picture is this. It's a picture of our all-knowing and wise God and that he alone is worthy to be praised the focus is not the godly man the focus is god and i'm going to show us shortly psalm 1 verse 1 and 2 first that's our first stanza we're going to consider said blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in, on his law he meditates day and night. So look at two men in this text. The first stanza shows us that the standard of righteousness, by contrasting what these two values are, he's showing us that standard. He said what a godly person values against what a wicked person values. The first stanza of this chapter of Psalm begins with the word blessed. Which being interpreted means full, filled with strength, truly happy. It describes one who lacks nothing because God has poured out his favor on him in a great measure. We see the same word used uh, a lot in in Matthew 5 by Jesus The Bible says when he saw the crowd, he went over the mountain and he began to speak to them and he started by saying, blessed. So a person is godly because God has highly favored him. It is not about what the person has done or what the person is doing, but that God has highly favored him. Now, but this does not excuse the fact that such a man must do good works. That's why right, Paul would say in Ephesians 2, that therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, and not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to walk for his good pleasure. So what David was clarifying for them now is, here is that, yes, God is the one at work, but man has a responsibility as well. And that the result of good works is because God is at work in you. But do we see that work through your own works? So the righteous man here, the godly man here, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers, who does not uh, walk with, uh, uh, with, with, with sinful people, is because the Lord has delighted in him first. He will live a righteous life because God has made him righteous. He will not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Because the Lord his God has delighted in him, called him, chose him, rescued him, redeemed him, and called him his own. So a righteous man will walk righteous because God has made him righteous. So it is for us, And that's what the psalmist is helping us to see here. That the focus is not the righteous man, but the one who has made him righteous. Brothers and sisters, we did not choose God. He chose us. We did not love him. Actually, we don't even desire anything of him. He loved us for us. He didn't just love us because we thought of him. He loved us in our worst estate. We're bound for eternal damnation, altar destruction, but He rescued us. So you can now delight in God because He first delighted in you. So it's easy for us to say, "Oh, but His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night." Was well, because the Lord delighted in Him first. That's why He can now delight in the Lord. This person's desire is not to do wickedly, so he will not walk with the wicked. His desire is not to sin, so he will not stand with the sinners. Because the way of the sinners will do wickedly, and the way of the sinners is a direct opposition to God. Sinners don't want to obey God. As sinners, we never wanted to obey God. The word of God to us was just like any other word. But to a godly person, the word of God is the word of God. But because the Lord has delighted in this godly person and made him righteous, his desires, his delight is now in the instruction of the Lord. So note how the psalmist started. He introduced us to a righteous man. Then he now tells us That this righteous man, this is what he values. He does not value sitting with the wicked, but his value is on the law of the Lord. And he said, on this law, he meditates day and night. Now, look at that progression. He's able to do this because the Lord God has delighted in him. Your desire, uh, my desire to study God's Word is not something that I wake up with because I heard something, I heard someone so, sp- describe God's Word so powerfully and I said I want to, I want to study God's Word. It's because the Lord has delighted in me and He has called me and has put His Spirit in me. That's why I now can delight in the law of God. This verse of the song bears similarity to what God commanded Joshua at his commission in Joshua chapter 1. You remember what God told Joshua when Moses passed away and the people of Israel were preparing to enter the promised land. It was right before them, they must conquer the inhabitants of the land so that she can lead in them and also inherit the promise. But the question is, how would they inherit the promise? Would this truly happen? Because right before them is the land. And remember the report they brought before them. That they were like what? Brassopards before what? Giants. And now they were at that brink now just to enter the land. They were waiting there. What would you expect? It's just like what, we just, what we're seeing all over now. Israel at war. And this is Gaza here. Yeah, the Gaza Strip there. What would you expect? That you are about to enter into your own land. And the land that was promised to you. And now there are giants. The only way you can take it is what? By force. That's all you can do. You have to bind the strong man. Or else you can't dwell there. So you are expected that God. Will send legion of angels. And clear the people before them. Or God tell Joshua. Hey Joshua go forward. The Levites priests, go with him. And carry the ark and do all of and speak praise to God, and that will that will happen. But look at what God told Joshua. Joshua, God told Joshua that yes, this is the armies which before you said in Joshua one verse five to eight. God told Joshua that no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, this is me standing, and before me is a giant. And God says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. The reality on ground, I'm telling you, does not match what Joshua is hearing. It doesn't. And God is saying, no man shall be able to stand before you. And God said, be strong and courageous it's like holding my son down and he's about to get an injection and told him be strong and courageous. No, he's not. (laughs) He's looking at that injection and I'm telling him be strong and courageous. No, he's not going to be strong and courageous. God said again, only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. the the land was before them. Giants in the land and God said all you need to do is just obey the law. It doesn't make sense. All you need to do is just obey the law. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So God was telling Joshua that your success is not in your military might, but it is in your delight in my law. It is in your delight in my law and meditating day and night. God is going to bring to fulfillment his promise and his people will conquer not by their military might but by trusting in the word of the Lord. David in Psalm 1 was showing us that similarity with the children of Israel crossing, coming into the land that the righteous man his delight is in the love of the Lord. He is able to stand firm because he delights in the love of the Lord. Yes, the reality is that things are not going well. The current state of affairs in this nation is troublesome. It is so much that it is overwhelming. For many, we are you are at the crossroads. It is overwhelming to even think about it. But at this point, wisdom says, think on God's word day and night. Write it over your heart. Be consistent and purposeful about studying God's word. Let it be rooted in love. Say, by this you are able to live righteously. By this you are able not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. By this you are able not to stand in the way of sinners. The psalmist in Psalm 1 is helping us to see that our all-knowing and wise God is greater than what we think we, what we can imagine. That for us, sometimes we think the way out is military might. Sometimes we think the way out is go get a degree. There's nothing wrong getting a degree. Sometimes we think the way out is we have to put together something that is beyond natural. But wisdom says delight in the law of the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in his word. Who would have known or who would have imagined that a capital punishment, a disgraceful killing of someone, the crucifixion will be what would the psalm and bring an open shame to the enemy? And that same capital punishment will bring deliverance to God's people. The wisdom of God is not of men. It's not like men. And so delighting in God's law is not a punishment delighting in God's law is the wisdom of God. And we see in the next stanza now what that wisdom produces. The psalmist went again from contrasting the values of the righteous and the wicked he now contrasts also the prosperity and the fruitfulness of the godly person and the barrenness of a wicked person. Now He said, this is what the righteous man values. This is what the wicked values. The righteous man will value God's word, but the wicked does not. He now said, this righteous man, because he values God's word, because he delights on his day and night, this is how his life will look like. Now, he didn't say the righteous man has skill in business. It's good. But he's saying, this is what he values. Now, because his delight is in love of the Lord, this is how his life is going to look like. Now, look at that description there in verse 3. He said, Is like a tree planted by what? Streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not weeder, or in all that he does, it prospers. That description paints an image of only one place in the Bible the garden of eden he's saying that the righteous man the psalmist singing this song is saying that the righteous man because he delights in the law of the lord this is how his life is going to be like he's going to be like adam in the garden Genesis 2 and the lord god planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put man there whom he had formed and out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the side for good and and good for food. And he talked about how beautiful the garden is and that that garden is is a flourishing place. And so the psalmist here in second stanza here in verse 3 is showing us the life of a righteous man because he delights in the law of the Lord. The godly person is just like Adam before the fall with dominion and prosperity all around him. And a godly man who delights in the love of the Lord will always, will always be Like a stream planted by streams of water. Now, the psalmist is not saying, by, by this time we know that this cannot be true, that the psalmist is saying that the righteous man will not have problems. No. But he's saying that the righteous man is planted in the source. He's planted in the source. That he will yield his fruit in season. It leaves does not wither. He will go through troubles. He will go through problems. He will experience the same thing. That the wicked will experience. The rain will fall on him. He will be beaten by the sun. He will experience all of the things that they experience. He will be sick. Sometimes he will have to be laid in the hospital. For days or weeks or months. The righteous will experience all of this. But. The Lord God. Is with him. Even in those times, he will be, his life will still be a beautiful life, a radiant life, because he delights in the love of the Lord. But the wicked are not so. That's what he said. That phrase, the wicked are not so, it is a definite one. It's not possible. It's saying, It is not possible for the wicked to be planted in God. Why? Because the wicked does not delight in the law of the Lord. Said, But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. You know what that means? What he's saying is that the wicked is like the description we see in Jeremiah 17. He said, Cursed is the man whose trust is in man. And makes flesh his strength. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert. And shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the. Parched places of the wilderness. In an uninhabited in salt land. But he said. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is in the Lord. Now. Jeremiah also did the same thing here that Sammins did. Using the imagery of the garden to describe the man who puts his trust in the Lord. He said, is like a tree planted by water. <laughs> Look at that. That sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. So heat is going to come, but he does not fear. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear Fruits, but the wicked man is like a one in an uninhabited salt land. Who is the wicked man? Is the one who has rejected God, does not want to have anything to do with God. A wicked soul is a sinful soul, and if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, if you're here today you are not a believer. You are not a Christian. This is you. The Bible describes you here. That the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind will drive away. The wind will drive away. It's like a shrub in a desert. There's no hope. There's no hope for the wicked unless he turns to the Lord. And the Lord is able to save when you turn. Finally, we see the outcome in verse 5 and 6 Psalm 1 verse 5 and 6 we see the outcome of both lives we have seen two people the righteous and the wicked what the righteous values we, see that if, we saw that in verse 1 and 2 in verse 3 and 4 we see the life of both of them how their life is Verse 4 and 5, 5 and 6, we now see what will be the end of both. Therefore, for this reason. What reason? Because one, because the reason that one of them delights in the law of God and the other does not delight in the law of God, this is what's going to happen. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I read that again. Therefore, for this reason, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Let me stop there and remind us so that you don't lose it. This is a song. (laughs) This is a song. They are singing. This is a psalm of David. And the congregation of children of Israel. Sing this song. And they are singing this song. And saying for this reason. Therefore the wicked will not stand. In the judgment. nor seen as in the congregation of the righteous. Now as this song is going forward. Do you know what the children of God are doing? They are actually. Also judging themselves by this song. Reminding themselves that there's no way a sinner will stand in the congregation of God's people at the very end. So this song of praise to God is a song thanking God that his people will stand before him and no sinner will be in that presence. Because God is a holy God. Verse 6 For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Two outcomes: one for the righteous, one for the wicked. One will fall and not be not be numbered among God's people, but the other will be in the congregation of the righteous. One will be approved of God; the other won't be approved of God. Brothers and sisters. What's an application for this for us? There are only two sides. There's no sitting in the fence. You are either in, in God's, in congregation of God's people or you are in darkness. There's no sitting in the fence. If you are in, you are in. If you are not in, you are not in. You are either God's people or you're either part of God's people or you are both God's enemy. Either you delight in God's law or you reject and hate his law. Behold the wisdom of God. Behold the wisdom of God. And sing the praise of all knowing and wise God who has chosen us. He has chosen the foolish things of this world. The undeserving things of this world. Wretched sinners. Shameful people. He made them beautiful. The psalm 1 is a song that celebrates the wisdom of God in saving an undeserving man. So when we sing this psalm in church, when we read these psalms, when we pray these psalms, let us remember that the Lord delight in us first. Then we can now delight in his law. Also, let us remember that the law of the Lord should not depart from our lips, should not depart from our heart. We should meditate on it day and night. Yes. The world may be against us. Things may wrestle against us. It might look like all things are falling away. It might even look like what we see in other Psalms where the sons of Korah said that they look and saw the wicked is prospering. And you can see the same thing and you look like, wait a minute. It seems this wicked is prospering. It's people you know that hate God and they are prospering. This psalm is a reminder that do not look at the prosperity of the wicked. There's only one outcome. There's only one outcome. No sinner will stand in the congregation of God's people. So, what does this teach us today as a roundup? Number one, my ultimate goal, my ultimate aim is to delight in the law of God and to delight in God. My ultimate desire every day should be to delight in the law of God and to delight in God himself. My desire shouldn't be to seek certain outcome for myself. My desire shouldn't be to seek certain outcome for myself or my life. But I have one responsibility and that is to delight in the law of the Lord and to delight in God himself. Now, the second thing is this, to bear in mind. If you look at the verse 3 and 4 of that sermon, the outcome did not say that because the righteous man started reading God's law, he was able to apply God's law and he became prosperous. It didn't say that. What the psalmist said is that verse three and four, it reads out this way that because he is like what? A tree. It didn't say because he did that. It said, but he is like a tree planted. Who planted a tree? God. And so what the psalmist is reminding us today is this is that when we trust in the Lord, when we delight in his law, the Lord will plant us. The Lord will establish us. But if you do not trust the Lord, if you do not delight in his law, if you're here and you're not, you don't have anything to do with the Lord, He will not plant you. You'll be blown away like a shaft. But today, there is that grace. There is that opportunity for you to turn around. For believers who are struggling, give yourself to God's word and His law. And if you're here, you're not a Christian. Turn. Turn around today. The Lord is able to save, more than able to save. He's calling you to turn away from your sinful way. Don't be like the wicked. For the wicked will not dwell in the congregation of the righteous. But the righteous will be planted forever. And be established forever. Brothers, that's not the end. Psalm 2 shows us how the people of earth responded and how the Lord fulfilled his purpose. So I invite you to come back in the afternoon or the evening for the concluding part. Let us pray. Lord, how great you are, Lord. There's none like you. Who would have thought that by dwelling on your word, we will have victory. But Lord. You have shown us that you are an all-knowing and all-wise God. And this wisdom is just beyond what we can, our, our mind can fathom. Our mind can grasp. Lord, we ask today that you help us. Help us to give ourselves to your law, to your word. That we we'll meditate on it day and night. That we will be purposeful and intentional about the meditation of your word. To meditate on your law. Lord, may we see the wisdom in this. May our foolish mind see the wisdom in this. And may we rejoice in your law, day and night, in Jesus' name.